0: I've been told my natural resting gaze is not a pleasant one. What the hell's going on out here? I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching a game. Yeah. hello everybody welcome to the uk packers podcast as usual i'm your host that's DDDnFL on twitter and of course follow the group at uk packers and this podcast is sponsored by the 1919 shop oh yes it's open so we've sent out uh, i talked about it on the last podcast uh, we sent out newsletters make sure you're signed up to that and basically the 1919 shop is us bringing over signed packers merch to this side of the pond it's a very big deal super big deal right so what we're doing is we're trying to get it over for you nice and cheap by getting bulk orders and then spreading the shipping across everybody customs across everybody so that we quote you the price we get it over for you if agreeable um, and we try lower it if we can because we're just trying to get the cheapest price that we can for you uh, and then we send it out to you now let's put that into perspective if you want to buy a custom jersey on nfl europe shop that's 107 pounds oh yes and Depending on where you are you're gonna to have to pay shipping and all the rest. So for 107 quid you get a new custom jersey That sounds sexy. However, let me just give you this piece of business if you want a signed more so again, I put it in the newsletter and because of this crazy crazy world that we're living in I put the word man cave and I sat over looking at the blinking cursor for about 10 years wondering do I put in brackets no offence if you're a woman. It can also be a woman cave. Or they would just leave it out there. Because it's called a man cave. And then I said look. I'm just going to leave it as man cave. Listen to me. If you're a lady. Let me know what I'm supposed to call it. Uh, is it still a man cave? Is a man cave like something like. I don't know. Is, is it you know. it Does the man in the man cave mean the gender? Or is it just a name for something? You know. Who knows. I don't know. You tell me. I don't want to be offensive. So if you're building a Packers merch room let's call it you can get some savage jerseys for under 107 pounds so you can buy a brand new one or you can buy a signed one from the 1919 shop for less and if like you can go out wearing it if you want we wouldn't advise it because it's a collectible um but if not banging up on your wall happy days you don't need another jersey you don't need another aaron Rodgers away jersey feck it just get yourself a nice signed one from a legend so let's give you some names of the people that you can get signed jerseys for like i said 107 that's not including delivery depending on where you live so the the cheap end of stuff is you can get yourself a brand new jersey well not a brand new jersey it's a jersey signed by a player uh james starks one of the old greats let's say get that for 65 pounds so you can nearly get two james starks jerseys which you can wear one of them if you want and just you know wash it wipe off the signature and put the other one up on your wall up to you uh tremont williams one of the old greats aj hawk signed uh, with the super bowl inscription uh richard rogers another great jersey getting into the current players we've, you can get yourself a jason spriggs a david bakhtiari jersey they're 105 quid each uh lynn dickey for all the people who gave us all their stories about how they became a Packers fan 105 Blip blipholas And you get yourself an old legend to throw up on the wall. 105 quid. Two pounds extra than a non-signed new one. Blake Martinez jersey, 105 quid. Kenny Clark, 105 quid. Morgan Burnett, 105. Aaron Jones, you can get that on wider green, 105 blips. Uh, Antonio Freeman, now we're talking 115. So like an extra, what, eight quid. And you get yourself a great Antonio Freeman. Mike Daniels falls in the same category as does Ty Montgomery. And get this, you can get yourself a Ron Wolf. Or KGB jersey for 115. So, long story short, bag yourself a nice bit of signed March for cheaper or slightly more expensive than a brand new jersey that you probably don't need. On the flip side, mini helmets. If you're going to spend 107 quid on a jersey you don't need, get yourself a Randall Cobb signed mini helmet for 105 blips. If you want to go cheaper than that, we have. Just a dumper load of people around the 65 to £70 pound mark, including the great Jerry Kramer, uh, a nice Ty Montgomery one. Uh, you can get Ron Wolfe's signature on a mini helmet for 70, 70 quid. David Bactiari, Mike Daniels, Blake Martinez, uh, the Magic Man, Lynn Dickies. You can get those for around £65. Uh, Richard Rogers slightly cheaper again. You can get him for 55 I'm just saying, if you want to start off your Packers man cave, we're here to cater to you. We're trying to get everybody's order in. Um, we were thinking to get this order off on Tuesday, and that's nothing like, oh, well, you've only got a day to do it. Quick, get your money in. Like, look, we're only trying to help people out here to try import sign merch. Um, But we might leave it till payday, because that's what we're hearing. We've got an awful lot of requests, and an awful lot of people are saying, i really like to look at that tie jersey. Can you put it away? A uh, big demand for Demarius Randall. We have that AJ Hawk jersey. Um, put aside for somebody as well so there's some great items if you have a request of your favorite player get it into us we'll price it up for you um, and get that off in the order probably for this friday so we leave it going till then but listen that's enough of the sponsorship stuff now i we did talk some non-packer stuff before and we talked beer and from meeting up at the super bowl party an awful lot of people seem to like the pre-show banter right uh but I'm gonna go into something now and it's slightly grim and I don't like to start the stuff off in a bit grim but it kind of has me a little bit shook and I promise I'll try keep it short but it's something that's kind of important to me um, and it, it rattled me a little bit and I maybe want to sp- not spread some of the rattlement but just, if that's a word just maybe sp- share some of this perspective and see how you feel about it and get some feedback on it and what I want to do is I want to challenge you if you're listening to this podcast, I want to set you a challenge for Monday. This So when you're probably listening to it, it's Monday. And whatever day you're listening to, let me extend the challenge to one activity for the whole week. Um, today, and it's a pretty sad story, and I'm not one for banging up posts on Facebook. I never post on that. On Twitter, never post on that. I've put up stuff you know, about personal things very rarely. But I was shocked today uh, because I attended the funeral of a 28-year-old man. 28. Um, he was a good friend of Jones, and he found out that he had liver cancer in October. And four months to the day that he started chemo, he was buried. Um, and that really shocked me because of how young he was, uh, how lovely he was, you know, how fit he was. This guy used to run marathons, so... Uh, went to the church today uh, to have the the funeral and i've never seen a bigger attendance at a funeral and i've never seen so many grown people um, just openly cry in church at something like this now i don't care if you're religious or non-religious or what you do or don't believe in that's entirely up to you i mean the topic come up outside the church when a girl come up and said I don't believe in God. This is a load of balls. This wouldn't happen if there was a God. And that's fair enough. She's entitled to that. And I'm not saying that I'm religious. And that's why it's just where the funeral was held. It shook me because this guy's younger than me. Um, He was a lovely guy. From the point that he was diagnosed to when he was gone was no time at all. October. And now it's February. And he's no longer with us. And his family are going to be dealing with the, the ramifications of that for forever. And it just really blew my mind in the sense of just how little time we have. And I'm not going to bang on about this for too long. But I went home and I have to say I squeezed my kids a little bit tighter than usual. And it really makes all of this time that we have that we're on borrowed time. And I think, you know, an illness like that has touched our lives at some point. uh, But this one was particularly poignant to see. His younger brothers and older brothers carrying him out of, out of the church. It was shocking stuff. So this is the challenge. Um, I'd like everyone to kind of, like I did, kind of get that mind-blowing feeling and that perspective and do something today or this week that you've been putting off. Okay, like life gets an awful lot serious and we like to talk about sports probably as a bit of escapism. But do something today, please do something today that you've been putting off. If it's something as stupid as, as cleaning out your cupboard or talking to your owl fella or just go in and give your kids a bit of a squeeze, will you? Because th- this life gets an awful lot. It can get very, very serious and we like to bury our heads in the sand and we all think we have longer than we have when we don't. Because like that song screen song, yes, that's how deep this is getting. You know, usually the stuff that you're worrying about doesn't actually matter at the end of the day. And it's stuff like this that blindsides you of an idle Tuesday, basically. So can you do me a favor and just do something this week? Tweet me at NFL and tell me that you've done something, will you? To make a positive change. I mean, I'm not talking going out and, you know, getting world peace. Just do something nice or do something that you've been putting off for ages. If you're on a diet, screw it. Go out and eat the pack of bickies, will you? you know do something that you enjoy and enjoy your life if you're on twitter and you're getting trolled by someone block them don't get into a debate with them block them get rid of all of that toxicity out of your life right now this is very deep for an irishman because we don't have emotions uh sigmund freud famously said that psychoanalysis works on everybody but the irish so this is i don't know the first and last time we're going to get it from me but i'm a little bit shook today anyway i leave it there let me know what you did Let's get on to some the off season is painful, right? An absolute load of balls. I saw on our on the u k Packers Twitter, and um, and we weren't added in it, but you know it's amazing the way all of the people who just talk Packers for the Packers season just descend into madness after the after the season is over. you get some really weird stuff on there. but uh, I can't remember who said about someone said like it's really cringy to see or, or something along those lines of you know, or it must be very difficult for someone to come up. With kind of off-season content for the Packers. Now that's the predicament that we find ourselves in here at UK Packers HQ. Now, as you can tell from the sort of social media stuff, it does go into a, a slow enough grind because the thing is, people get other interests. They go off and do different things. And if we bang on about, hey, what do you think about Randall? You know, people are like just just leave me alone. I don't want to talk about the Packers right now, especially after a pretty tough season. But what really irks me is the off-season headlines and how these narratives pick up so much. You know, news time. So I'd love to have like a big fart noise come in here about the off-season headlines. And we asked people earlier, you know, what was their favorite non-story of the off-season so far? Dear Jesus, because people do be clutching at straws. And I just think it's offensive at some stage to people when they come up with this crap. Like, for instance, today, the the big one is, is the Aaron Rodgers-Danica-Patrick relationship. Fantastic. It's about he's going to go to see her race, you know. Tumbleweed stuff. Like, who cares... The thing is, I'm not as down on the relationship side of stuff as some people where the minute you mention the relationship, people go, oh, you can't talk about that. How dare you talk about that? That's it. And then there was a, like a campaign back in the day when he was going out with Olivia Munn that anybody who mentioned her at all ended up in a news story about like, oh, look at this cretin. You know, I just think, look, if you're in the public eye, you've got to suck it up and deal with the fact that your relationship is going to be in the news. You're going to hit the gossip columns. And if you're going out with someone equally as famous, it's going to happen you know, if you're not Aaron Rodgers and you're Joe Blogs and you're going out with Danica Patrick, well, then you're going to end up on the news anyway. So because you're Aaron Rodgers, you're going to end up there and it's what you have to put up with to have, to get a salary of like a bajillion dollars. Now, I'm not saying it's right and I'm not saying I enjoy the celebrity stuff or that I read it or pay attention to it or any of that lark. Yes, in an ideal world, the relationship should definitely be off the cards. Big giant, who cares? But at the same time, in like it's part of their lives and it's part of their jobs now. Effectively, you know, you're kind of an entertainer more than anything else. So it happens. So, you know, don't get into the business. If, for instance, like the Super Bowl, you know, some of the players were coming out saying, yeah, you know, I can't remember what player it was. I think it was for the Eagles. He was coming out and kind of saying or maybe the patriots who cares you know just oh i hate all this stuff it's crap Uh, i don't want to be here and i want to be talking to you a lot it's like yeah fair enough yeah i mean you can have your opinion but at the same time you reach the pinnacle this is the type of stuff that's on your job description your resume like i said if you're a fireman it's not all about getting oiled up and posing for cameras you have to go into the house and put out fires and all the rest of it you know you can't pick and choose the job you get into it is what it is anyway Another kind of off-season faff that I've seen is A-Rod is leaving Green Bay. This was the biggest load of balls. This angered me more than anything else. And we're kind of doing the, the wind-down podcast up to this point. And I wanted to raise... And I was like, oh, screw Like, I just can't... I'm so angry. I can't even deal with it. Let me just leave it till the next one. So basically, Aaron Rodgers came out and they asked him the usual old, you know, lazy journalism of, oh, how long would you like to play for? And he just came out and said... That he'd like to play well into his forties. And I quote, I think you have to be humble enough to realise if it could happen to Brett, it could happen to you. So he's talking about if he gets into a Super Old Fogey, will you know Will the team eventually move on from him? Yeah, they might. Of course they might. They might look to have that succession planning. It's never been more prevalent than what we've seen in New England, where Tom Brady. At any stage, could get injured and be gone for forever. Now, we know any player that can happen to, and he's been the goat up to this point, you know. And again, that's arguable. Where you'd say, you know, A. Rod versus Tom Brady, but let's not get into that now. So, Tom Brady, from what we're hearing in the news reports, and it's all massive allegations, is that he basically pushed Jimmy Garoppolo out the door. Now, how that should have went is that Jimmy Garoppolo was paid, sat behind Tom Brady. And then came in and took over, and Bill Belichick would be hailed as one of the greatest coaches of all time. And there was even talk that they would replace Lombardi's name, I know Blasphemy, on the trophy, and replace that with Belichick in time because of his legacy and all the rest. And I think that would have just, you know, capped off. And apparently that was a dream of Bill Belichick. Was for him to carry on the legacy after Brady. Because the two of them are always going to be tied, right? I mean, you're always going to have, oh, well, Belichick is as good as he is because he had Brady and vice versa. So he wanted Garoppolo in there. And yes, that's that could potentially happened. Those Doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers says that he doesn't want to play for Green Bay, which was half the narrative. It doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, people are coming out and saying, oh, well, he wants to go somewhere else because he's disgruntled because of blah, blah, blah. Listen, he's 34 now. He's going to sign a five-year deal, bringing him up to 39 i guess Um, they'll probably get that done soon and they'll pay him a colossal amount of money if they're smart they'll get it done soon he's going to be the highest paid player in the nfl and no matter what you say he deserves it and there's all the stuff about oh will he take a you know a team friendly deal no probably not he's gonna say i want to be the highest paid um because look what like yes he loves green bay and he wants to stay here but you know he's a finite resource, um. You know his time's gonna run out. He's been injured a ton. He wants to get paid now. The Packers should build around him. Of course they should. The team friendly deal, like, is he gonna take that? Probably not. Is he gonna be expected to? No. Like any fan on the right mind would be like, oh, like if he takes the massive money, oh look, A-Rod doesn't care about the team. Give me a break. And another one that's drove me mad lately is that like, oh, which one do we let go? Jordy or Randall Cobb? Or do we let both go? It's like, well, they've got a year left on their deals. It's a lot of money. They've changed a lot around in the organization. You know, a new OC, a new DC, new quarterbacks coach. And I've talked about in previous podcasts the different other positions that have changed. So, you know, they've got Brian Gudekunst in there. Do they restructure the deals? You know, do they let these lads go? Do they, do they waive them? Like, the thing is, it's as simple as this. Is once you get behind Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb and look at the other wide receiver talent that we have, Um. although we like to think it's amazing, the way we thought Brett Hundley was fantastic. And like, he was the, he was the preseason MVP. I mean, this guy could be traded for a first round pick. No. So, the, the basically, what they're going to do is, is they're going to give it a year. Now, whether they just go with the contracts that they are and risk them hitting free agency and then trying to re-sign them and seeing what their deal has. uh, Randall Cobb being the younger of the two. Jordy Nelson's going to have another year on him. He's going to be 33, 34 to t- at that stage. You know, whether they let them hit and see what the value is for a player like that. Um, Who knows whether if, if that's what the players want to do. But I don't think that the Packers, on a year where there's so much expectation with the coaching changes... Um, we've heard this narrative that it's kind of a make or break for, for McCarthy to say he's taken this risk, which I don't think is much of a risk, um, in, an, in a proven OC and DC to bring them in. The structure's changed. It goes right to Mark Murphy you now. communication is better. They seem to be getting rid of an awful lot of the sort of the old musty way of, of doing things. Maybe it got a bit stagnant. I don't think they're going to get... Because look, at Jordan Nelson had an absolutely fire start of the season and they say oh his production dropped and Randall Cobb hasn't lived up to what he like Randall Cobb was playing fantastic uh, with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers came out the, the prior year and said we just need to get the ball into his hands and when they did it worked really really well he's a fantastic slot receiver and they're already riding off Jordy Nelson and saying oh well he's just going to have to be relegated to the slot now I think an awful lot of stuff is going to change and I think Alex Van Pelt going is an integral part of all of this so another story came out, and I'll end with the off-season uh, stories here. So Alex Van Pelt went, and they said that it was very curious that Aaron Rodgers came out and said that he wasn't consulted about it, it was a bit of a strange move, that he loved Alex, and all of this type of lark. I think the reasoning for all of this is quite simple. First off, Aaron Rodgers, as important as he is, and as vital as he is for call plays on the field, um... He's a player on the team. And when it comes to making coaching decisions, it depends on what your opinion is. I mean, do you give Aaron Rodgers say? Or do you just go ahead and pull the trigger and make those decisions? Like, I've been in jobs and you've been in jobs where you felt important and you've been an integral member of the team. You don't get asked if they're going to change your director or your md or your manager they don't come and say to you "Eh, steve is it okay if we get someone new in they just go ahead and do it and they do it and you have to trust the process that they're going to hire somebody who's going to make you develop now arguably and the thing is you don't ask someone a question that you know the answer to if you want to do something different and on top of that aaron rogers arguably his and he's got so many talents, but arguably his biggest one to improvise, to hold on to the ball, to evade pressure, to be like a Jedi in the pocket. Arguably, that as one of his biggest strengths is also the biggest weakness for the Packers that was washed out along with an awful lot of other things this season. A quarterback cannot operate in a system that isn't the system. So when you look at Tom Brady, you know, he gets suspended Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, wins every game he plays in before he gets that uh, injury. Jacoby Brissett comes in, wins one, loses one. Um, But arguably, that kind of proved to people that Tom Brady and the New England Patriots... Now, I don't agree with it particularly that they call him a system quarterback and that anyone can succeed. I don't agree with that because Jimmy Garoppolo's gone on and won every game with the 49ers. He hasn't lost a game in the NFL yet and that's why he's been paid so handsomely. So... They say that that's a system. Now, where the system breaks down is is where a new call plays. The quarterback improvises a ton. The wide receivers have been playing with him for so long, they're on the same page. Just look at the Jordy Nelson-Aaron Rodgers connection. Uh, He's able to work his way back to the ball and make stuff happen. It's fantastic to watch, and it's almost impossible to do. Only people at the complete height of their game, like Aaron Rodgers, can actually pull off this task. But it's the biggest Achilles heel for a team when that player goes down, because when you don't have a set structure. Um, if your wide receivers can't get separation, well then the whole system just tumbles down and then you find yourselves going into overtime against the Browns. So maybe what this whole thing is about is they've got a new OC. He's familiar with Aaron. Uh, they've got Frank Signetti, who's in now to become the qu- quarterback's coach. They've got a new wide receivers coach. And maybe what they're going to try to do is, is improve the wide receiver routes try to get that separation, do some clever stuff um, with the scheme. And also with a new quarterbacks coach is the kind of, I don't know, maybe this is way off base, retrain Aaron to a certain degree, you know, to, to, to hit those plays as called, to not have to change them so much at the line and to not hold onto the ball so long in order to make plays happen. And that, you know, get back to the slants and the stuff that we used to know and love. And that, you know, I'd heard that this had kind of happened to to Jay Cutler on a massive scale. In the sense that, you know, he couldn't go out there and make plays happen. He'd go out and just get flustered and, and, and try, you know, improvise. So, there's quite a big difference between Aaron Rodgers and Jay Cutler, I know. But maybe, maybe that's the whole deal to this thing. But really... The, the side of the ball that I want to focus on in this podcast and I know I've been saying it for a couple of weeks is Mike Pettin. so you heard him at the top of the pod in the fact that you know he's resting gaze. we call that resting bitch face I think is the is the phrase that's out there and we put it out and an awful lot of people got back to us and um, it was funny actually an awful lot of the the female followers got back and said yeah he's talking about resting bitch face and I was like oh okay <laughs> fair enough I've been told I have resting bitch face and uh, the amount of times that I've got shouted at to say Steve well, I don't say Steve because I don't know my name, but they say, hey, young fella, smile, might never happen. And then you're kind of thinking, well, what if it has? What if it's happened and I'm unhappy and now you're after ruining my day even more? So Mike Pettin. I mean, if looks alone means that this guy's going to be a good coach, he's going to be a good coach because this guy looks mean, he looks angry. And this is the type of guy that, and Mike Daniels has already been very vocal about him, mostly because he looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin. But that, you know, this is a guy who believes in aggressive defense. Now, people are trying to pick his brain. And he said this in the opening presser. And he followed it up with some uh, Larry McCarran interview stuff. Um, and some nice little tasty little quotes as they're trying to pick his brain. Is he a 3-4-4-3? Three, four, four, three? We're going to see a difference in a change in scheme here. And it feeds into kind of another off-season narrative of what do we do with Clay Matthews and what do we do with Nick Perry? And people are like, what do you mean? What do we do with Nick Perry? You have to after signing a monster deal. But the way these deals are set up now is that you can cut your losses and, and get rid of these guys an awful lot sooner and not take such a colossal cap hit. Um, and Clay Matthews is on massive money, but he's one of the guys that Mike Pettin pulled out and pinpointed in his study because he was with the Baltimore Ravens. we um, went we'll gone to some of the stats there, was with the New York Jets, uh, then went on to the Buffalo Bills. And then went on to be a head coach of the Cleveland Browns, ending that in 2015. And his most recent work was as a consultant for the Seattle Seahawks. And as part of that, he had to scout the Packers, did extensive work on looking at how they operate, both defensively, offensively. And he was able to pick out some of the players. And that's how he's so abreast at what the Packers were doing recently enough. So he's picking out Clay Matthews to say, you know, he's still fairly dynamite and his you know his reputation precedes him and there's an awful lot of stuff that you can do with him so a funny quote that he said was is when he's asked if he's 3-4 or 4-3 he just says yes (laughs) so just you know are you this or this yes and that's because he said that you know years ago you used to play in kind of a base defense you know your 3-4 was the be all and end all and you kind of bring in some exotic stuff thereafter depending on the down and the you know, in the situation. Whereas he said, now you don't spend an awful lot of time in your base defense. And we saw that last year, right? When we saw that whole nitro and, you know, he said, you play out of the nickel and it's just stuff. Isn't the same. You know, you're, you're bringing in that, uh, that slot corner an awful lot more. Uh, and you have a designated slot corner, uh, now, and that, you know, years ago, you kind of say, right, you're, you're the slot on, on, in this situation. Now you kind of have more specialists, right? um, so he sort of says that when you have a guy like Clay Matthews or Nick Perry you can jump him in and out of the lineup to make it a 3 from a 3-4 to a 4-3, all right? Put the lads hand in the dirt. And that's that's kind of what we saw from from Nick Perry before anyway. So he's kind of just I don't know, he's he's talking about two guys that are rumored to be going Uh, are close to going or potentially going based on their performance last year when Nick Perry actually did fairly handy and Clay Matthews played out of his skin. Um, But whether he'll still be around in the colossal money that he's on, uh, who knows. He also talks about, you know, because me and Andy talked on the podcast about players looking kind of, you know, pissed off or upset, uh, demotivated and not wanting to play for Dom Capers or some of the defensive coaches. And that's maybe why an awful lot of them have gone. Whereas Mike Petton talks about that he wants to make his players and coaches want to love playing in his defense. He also talks about being multiple. So switching between the 3-4 to the 4-3 and then bringing up, you know, some, some extra more exotic stuff. And he also talks about where you're not multiple but appear multiple. So there's an awful lot of talk about, especially with the more experienced quarterbacks, is that if they can read your defense from the offset, you're toast anyway, right? So he talks about if you appear multiple and they think you're bringing a certain coverage and you're not, well, then that bodes well for the defense. And that's what he's going to try to do with the Packers. The main thing that he talks about, and it's what the Packers have always talked about, is like technique and fundamentals. And that's what you hear Mike McCarthy bang on about. And that's probably where, you know, in the interview process, they probably locked in and said, oh, well, you believe in the same as me. Um where we'd heard rumors that the Mike Petton defense was very complex. He likes to say that it's not, it just appears multiple, can be multiple at times, um, but he wants to make it likable and easily adaptable, and you're able to pick it up easy for the players. Now, another really important thing that he talks about is that you know, you play your defense aggressively that's which is gonna really you know impress mike daniels but he wants to be super aggressive which you'd associate you know with with blitzing but he says that they don't just blitz all the time for no reason is that it's heavily uh weighted on you know the analysis and the positioning and the scouting reports so you know this guy is going to have a ridiculous dumper load of info that he's going to have to depend on on the coaches below him to feed him during the game time to say, this is the situation we're in. These are the stats behind it. This is what we should do. So I like that quote. I think it was Jason Wilday that asked him, you know, you look like a scary dude the people judge a book by its cover effectively. um So it seems very cerebral and it's worked for him wherever he's gone. Now clown of the week a while ago was this guy who was trying to suck it to me over the fact that his defenses have wallowed around a certain position and um, when they haven't he's had a league leading defense everywhere he's gone a top 10 defense so we've always wondered haven't we that if Aaron Rodgers had a top 10 defense that he would definitely win the Super Bowl if he does it again in Green Bay we'll get to see and an important part about the whole thing here is that you might sort of go, well, Jesus, Steve, let him get in and you know hit the, try hit the ground running a bit and, and bring the defense from the depths that it's in. But when he went and started with the New York Jets, in his first year as defensive coordinator, the New York Jets were number one in total defense and first in pass defense. After that, uh, they were twice in the top five and there were eight, so still within the top 10. He went on to Buffalo and he, again, Turned out a defense that was in the top 10 so this is a guy who's well capable now we can delve into the defensive players that he had uh, in new york which are obvious and the same with the buffalo bills um, and he might lean heavily on a guy like rex ryan and he says himself quite openly that he learned an awful lot from rex ryan so people have questioned whether he has the caliber in the sense that you know was all of that him was it half rex mostly rex And we'll get to see that. But in Cleveland, the defense was quite stout in Cleveland as well. So it leads me to believe that this is a defensive-minded coach that was in a bad situation with the Browns, but still led them to one of their best seasons in about seven years. And it's the best season that they've had since, as you can see from the last season. So according to a great article by uh, Wes Hodkowitz on Packers.com, he lists all of his achievements that he's done with the various teams. Um, and then from looking at his bio on the Packers website and other websites uh, of where he was before. He started off with the Ravens. He was a defensive assistant. He was with the organization for six years. And in the last couple of years, he was the outside linebackers coach. And while he was in that position, the outside linebackers core uh, were some of the best in the NFL. They were fifth, first, sixth and second in the NFL in the four years that he was the outside linebackers coach he goes on to the Jets and is with the Jets from 2009 to 2012 and he plays a 3-4 scheme uh, which again is kind of comforting from a Packers perspective and he's seen as this blitz and press man coverage specialist which is fantastic news because he talks about being you know not taking what the opposing offense has given him He likes to get aggressive and expose their weaknesses, is his phrase. Which is a massive departure away from the zonal defense that we've seen... ...and from the bend and don't break type of defense that we're seeing in Green Bay... ...and that we have seen for quite some time under Dom Capers... ...in the sense that it's kind of... Now look, the Patriots got to the Super Bowl with that type of defense. It was a zonal bend but don't break. They were wallowing down the bottom of the NFL... In yards and given up but they were up the top in points given so they would let you get towards the end zone and they might only let you get away uh, with a field goal or touchdown very sparingly. so it can work but that's obviously hasn't worked in green bay for quite some time now i've seen i don't know coverage on twitter and from fans commenting on their articles to say that the reason that we had to play that zonal defense was because we simply didn't have the players to press man and and to play tie coverage and maybe that's the case and it is telling that in mike pettins uh, media coverage of because they keep asking him oh, what do you think you have in green bay and he never says oh they're a great squad he comes out and says it's not a bear roster and that he has stuff to work with and he's excited to work with them and and the fill holes where there are holes so he's not coming out and saying yo oh, they're great they only need a few things he uses the word bear. Now, he says that they're not bear. But at the same time, you know, I mean, imagine saying to someone, do you think I'm good looking? And they're like, well, you know, you've got some things to work with there. <laughs> you know, If you're good looking, they'd say, you're A1. You're a good looking guy. You're a good looking girl, whatever. And he comes out and just says, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what him and Brian Gudekunst and Mike McCarthy are going to do you know be it in free agency be it through the draft you know what area of focus do we focus on what type of players do we go for we know ted had a type so let's see what type uh, brian Gudekunst has what type mike Pettin has um it'll be very interesting to see and will there be any old free agents that have worked with mike petten in the past that we might be able to nab but anyway The promising stats that come out of his time with the New York Jets, which is where his biggest body of work is, is that his third down efficiency is through the roof. Uh, He was number one over that four-year period and quarterback rating allowed at 71. Completion percentage at 52.6, which is fantastic. And passing yards per game at 186.3, which is is unbelievable. In that four-year stretch, he was second in the AFC with takeaways with 115 in four years. And he let the fewest 100 receiving yard games in the NFL in his tenure with the New York Jets. As I said before, he gets off to a fast start. Um, he got off to a fast start with the Jets being number one in total defense and number one in pass defense. Which again is promising because I think we have some fantastic run stoppers. You know, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, uh, Blake Martinez has just been fantastic. So I think we have the talent to stop the run and we had a, an unbelievable start the last couple of seasons against the run. So it's the past defense that we've really, really struggled in and hopefully he can work his magic with his team. And then when he went to the Buffalo Bills, he had a top 10 defense. So this is really promising. I think he's going to kick some ass. I think he's going to be aggressive. Um, I think he's going to be proactive. I think he's a modern day coach and he has a modern day spin on things. Um, his dad was a super winningest coach. You know, back in in Pittsburgh, I think he's the the most winningest coach in Pittsburgh high school history. No, no, it's high school. You know, so this guy did grow up around it as well. He played on his dad's team, I believe. Um, you know, helped coach some of that stuff there. He's went from high school all the way up into the pros. He was good enough, along with Joe Philbin, as coordinators, to get head coaching jobs. So, this guy has caliber. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask Devon House is when we met him in Green Bay. And I'm, I'm going to try to get some more players on in the off season, uh, because we haven't done it in a while because you, you, you tend not to get good interviews from current players because they're so heavily versed and pure. There's an awful lot of agents around them anyway who are on the phone barking at you to tell you to get off the phone after 10 minutes when you've only got 10 minutes of complete waffle from people. Now, I found Mike Daniels great, uh, Mason Crosby brilliant. Um, so I might try to get more players on but I'd love to ask them what the actual atmosphere and ethos was in Green Bay did these players get their ass kicked you know we've seen the kind of obnoxious coaches that we've they've had on, on hard knocks and I often wonder th- do they have that in Green Bay because with the lacklustre play that we saw last season from some of these players it really seemed like they weren't going to be held to account to a certain degree now maybe that's wrong and we saw Demarius Randall being sent off to the dressing room um, so maybe they do you know get their ass chewed out but I don't know maybe this will see more of an aggressive nasty streak in the Green Bay Packers defense that we want to see you know when it comes to other sports like soccer I absolutely detest Diego Costa who's now you know buggered off back to Spain because he sort of outstayed his welcome in England he was obnoxious he was aggressive he was nasty but Don't get it wrong. If Diego Costa was on my football team, I would appreciate him and love him and like him for getting the backup of other players. And that's exactly what we want to see from this Green Bay defense. We're going to get back into the top 10 and we want to see them being aggressive. So that's Mike Pedden in a nutshell. Um, And that's this week's podcast in a nutshell. So be sure to check out 1919 Club this week. Get onto the website and make sure you fill in a request form if you have that kind of dream item. And we're going to try to get it as cheap as we can for fans. We're not into ripping fans off. We're a fan club. Uh, we're by the fans, for the fans. And we're going to try to bring over some quality merch for you. And like I said, look, uh, lads and ladies, grab life by the balls. Uh, from what happened today, we don't have long on the earth. Not to get too deep on you again. Do the challenge, will you? Let me know what you did. Um. To do that well, to, to just enjoy your life. Block out the haters. Until next week, I'm at stddnfl Follow the group at UK Packers. Make sure you visit the website www.ukpackers.co.uk. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and leave a review if you enjoy it. Um, and I'll talk to you next week.